On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, all three Teslas see improvements in a couple of unique ways. The price of the full self-driving package has gone up, as Elon Musk promised. Navigate on autopilot should be getting a bit smarter very soon, and more. What's happening, my friends? My name is Ryan McCaffrey. This is Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, episode 222. That's a palindrome for November 3rd, 2019, uh, aka the month that Blade Runner takes place, aka the month that we should see the unveiling of the Tesla Cybertruck. So stay tuned for that in probably within the next four weeks or so. So that should be fun. Uh, I'm normally joined by Daisy the Boxer Puppy, but she is currently snuggling up in my daughter's bed upstairs. She's doing her puppy job of, uh, of helping that kid snuggle away to sleep. So real quick, before I get started, I wanted to mention that, uh, what, I guess two or three weeks ago, two weeks ago, when I uh, did the, the Franz von Holzhausen interview, I was in L.A. for three reasons. Franz was one of them. The other one was an IGN work-related reason. I went there to preview Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which was super fun. And the third reason was that I was invited to be a guest on a panel at the Tesla Owners Group Summit. They have an annual summit where all the heads of the owners clubs get together and exchange ideas about events and how to, you know, how to make the clubs better and, you know, do better events and, you know, just get more out of, out of the community and, and out of, you know, do more for each other. And it was a really good time. I got to meet so many people. In fact, a number of you who, uh, who I'd only ever seen your, your, uh, Twitter picture and (laughs) exchanged tweets or messages with you or emails. So that was a lot of fun, and and um, I mean, it was sort of, the whole thing was kind of under a friend DA, which is why I haven't mentioned it, you know, kind of a, a friend version of an NDA. Not not an explicit, like, do not talk about this, but also not a, you know, please go shout this from the rooftops kind of thing, but it was a really neat event, and I guess the thing I wanted to mention before I got going was that if you're not part of your local Tesla club, if you don't have one, and you might want to start one, that's an option. You, maybe you want to be the person that, that starts that up. But if you do have one in your area and you're not participating, it can be a lot of fun. A lot of neat events are coordinated. Uh, I've, I've done events. Uh, I'm, I'm technically, I guess, part of the Silicon Valley Tesla Owners Club. But at that event, I learned that there is a new a newish one, the an actual San Francisco Tesla Owners Club, which as of my recording of this on late Friday night, I'm going to my first San Francisco Tesla Club event a Tesla Owners Club event tomorrow. Uh, there's a there's a meetup at the at a supercharger, the Daily City supercharger, and then a drive on down uh, the coast down to a place for lunch. So really looking forward to that. That should be super fun. So if you want to learn more, it's it's you know this is officially these are the officially Tesla sanctioned clubs. So you can find out more at Tesla.com/slash. Owners Club. So do take a look at that if you get a chance. All right, let's move on with the news. There is plenty more fun stuff to talk about this week. First of all, as I teased at the top, the price of the full self-driving package did indeed finally go up, as promised by Elon Musk. It is now seven thousand U.S. dollars. Which uh, I stopped to think about this, and I was like, wait a second, seven grand? Is there anything more expensive on any of the cars? And I believe the answer is no. I believe this is now the single priciest option on any Tesla in the active fleet. If you don't count the performance models of the cars as as options, which I don't, because they're their own separate trims, you have to select them separately. So, uh, Ludacris was the title holder, the belt holder here, if you will. Uh, for the S and X performance, because for a while there, Ludacris was a, was a fifteen thousand dollar option within that. I think it was fifteen, might have been twenty. I'm blanking out now. Anyway, uh, it was a definitely more than seven thousand dollars. But now that 
Ludacris is just built, bundled in with performance, and they are one and the same. The most recent record holder for most expensive option was, I thought it was the 22-inch turbine wheels for the Model X, which are $5,500, but I was mistaken. I double-checked. The six-seat interior option on the Model X was and still is, to this day, it's $6,500. So the full self-driving package at 7K, the most expensive option you can get on the car, but Tesla continues to flesh out those features. Smart Summon has arrived, and allegedly, as you heard, uh, what, on the earnings call last week, the first city full uh, full self-driving, the first sort of city features with signs and lights are are, uh, in route sooner rather than later, you know, early access towards the end of the year and probably early 2020 for the wider fleet. Next this week, speaking of the S and the X, they both got a public range tweak for the better after Elon Musk's uh, comments on the earnings call last week. If you don't remember, here is the clip of Elon Musk explaining this during the earnings call. Yeah, I mean, the Model S, um, basic Model S at this point has a range of 370 miles. Actually, technically it's 373, but we actually certified it incorrectly <laughs> as 370, but it's 373. Um, and there are some software improvements that we think will make that even better. Well, I suppose that following that earnings call comment, Tesla went ahead and had the cars, the S and the X, certified correctly. So now, if you go to the design studio, the Model S Long Range shows as a 373-mile car, and the Model X Long Range is officially now 328 miles. And, you know, this is one of those neat little things that doesn't, doesn't necessarily really matter in the grand scheme of things. But it's still super cool to see Tesla do this. Now, speaking of tweaks, the in-car traffic visualization UI for all the cars, not just the S and the X, just got a little bit more interesting, or at least it will, with the next big update, which, as of my recording of this, uh, uh, 2019.36.1 is just starting to push out to the fleet now. So by the time you hear this podcast, you may have it. I don't have it yet. Uh, but it is on its way out. So in addition to the 5% power boost and the scheduled departure feature that you've heard me talk about, the screen will now render traffic cones. So now in construction zones, you know that the car is seeing those cones and will react to them accordingly, which I just think it, that's so cool. That is just very cool to literally see the system evolve before your eyes. Uh, Thank you to Kelvin Yang, who uh, seemed to be the first person to post that uh, online. Next this week, some interesting stuff out of Bloomberg. Bloomberg did a 5,000-person Model 3 survey, and they have been posting the results on a rolling basis. The, The first two chunks of those results have come out as of me recording this. And the survey results are almost impossibly positive. Some of you out there may have even participated in this. But the gist of this is is that uh, the results have, have gotten better and better every year of this survey, which speaks to Tesla and Elon making good on their word of improving the cars on a consistent rolling basis. In fact, Elon tweeted just this week that cabin noise is, quote, significantly improved on the newest build Model 3s. So Bloomberg has been talking to uh, the Model 3's early adopters, you know, and, and now as time goes on, the, 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 the cars are, are getting a lot more mature. You know, they, they started, uh, oh, actually, sorry, this is a quote from This is a quote from Tom Randall, I believe. Bloomberg has been talking to the Model 3's early adopters. We started with a 164-item questionnaire that covers every aspect of having a Tesla and followed up with smaller surveys about crash repairs and new autopilot features. So far, we've analyzed almost half a million words of feedback, enough to fill the first four Harry Potter books. So yeah, that's that's an excerpt from the 
survey itself. And uh, now Tom Randall, that's his, <laughs> let me get my notes straight here. Tom Randall, a Bloomberg reporter, you've heard me mention him here on uh, before. He covers the Tesla beat for Bloomberg along with uh, Dana Hall. Uh, Tom saying, while showcasing the data, that, quote, Tesla is getting better at making cars. Many early Model 3s were marred by defects, which peaked at 80 issues per 100 cars in Q3 2018. A year later, that would be now, Q3 defects had dropped by 44%. A near unanimous 99.6% of respondents said that the Model 3 is a pleasure to drive. It's hard to find such consensus over anything, really. End quote. Uh, so again, this is a four-part results story that's going to unfold into next week. If there's anything else interesting in those in those final two parts, I will certainly share them on next week's show. But this first bit is is simply encouraging. It's very very encouraging, and I want to send kudos to the entire Tesla team, manufacturing, General Assembly. I mean, everybody for making these build quality improvements. This is great. And then on the note of Elon uh, commenting on cabin noise, I would really like to take a ride in a new build Model 3 at some point to see if I can hear any difference in the cabin noise between you know my July 2018 build and a, a new one. So uh, thankfully here in the Bay Area, there's some way somehow I'll probably get that chance before too long. I, I'll say for, for my car, I get a bit of wind noise at high speeds. It, 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 hey, you know, it's not ideal, but honestly, it doesn't really bother me. It, it really doesn't stand out too much, but yeah, I'd be curious to compare it sometime. Next up this week, Navigate on Autopilot looks like it will soon get smarter with HOV lane usage. This is coming via a Tesla Rati report picking up on a, on, a, on a tiny little Elon tweet. They note, Tesla is expected to add an automatic HOV recognition feature that will enable Navigate on Autopilot to automatically utilize carpool lanes when the vehicle detects two or more passengers. So this was in response to a tweet by Quinn Nelson, who I know is a listener of this show. Hi, Quinn. Who got Elon's attention with the suggestion. And, uh, you know, hey, this is, it's certainly a natural evolution for the Navigate on Autopilot feature because it's something that the car totally can do, technologically speaking. It can detect butts and seats for airbag usage and other things. And, and so it's great to see that the, the cars will, in fact, uh, adapt to navigate on autopilot using that very, very soon. So, Quinn, great suggestion. Love that. Moving on this week, Model 3 is officially the first electric vehicle to be formally certified, formally cleared to be a New York City taxi. A hat tip to Electrek for reporting this first, that the New York City Taxi and Limousine Commission has made the Model 3 the first electric car to be formally approved for taxi use in the Big Apple. Uh, GreenCarReports.com adds this, quote, fewer than 40 vehicles are currently yellow cab certified, and a dozen of them, so roughly a third, are common, are, pardon me, are variants of common Toyotas, far and away the most prolific automaker on the certification list. Now, diving uh, further into the community for some excellent context and analysis here, some really thought-provoking back-of-the-napkin math on this by Tesla Motors Reddit user Dazzling Leg, who, who writes this. Just, just, Walk with this for a minute. An average use of 70,000 miles a year by a New York City taxi cab divided by 300 miles per charge equals 233 and a third charges per year times 60 kilowatt hours per charge equals basically 14,000, 13,999.8. So 14,000 kilowatt hours per year. Multiply that times 1.22 pounds of CO2 generated from the average grid load zone, and you get 17,080 pounds of, of carbon dioxide per Tesla taxi. However, do the same math 
for an internal combustion engine taxi cab, 70,000 miles, divided by 25 miles per gallon in a, in a New York City taxi, equals 2,800 gallons of gasoline per year. Multiply that times 19.64 pounds of CO2 per gallon equals just shy of 55,000 pounds, 54,992, 55,000 pounds of CO2 per taxi per year. So this is huge savings, 38,000 pounds of carbon dioxide saved by one, one taxi being replaced by a Tesla. So, uh, and then they, this, this person notes, if New York commissions solar and wind capacity to service these cars or just follows through on New York's renewable targets, then the carbon slash air quality savings is even more pronounced than that. So really, it's just astounding when, when uh, you look at a use case like a New York City taxi cab. And that's why, that's why I wanted to read that for you. That user really just said it better than I could have as far as the environmental impact of, again, just a single Model 3 taxi. And here's the thing, too. I would have to imagine that the economics would also, not just the environment, but the economics would also come out in the fleet owner's favor just on fuel savings alone, but also when you factor in maintenance. We all know how much lower the maintenance is on uh, and how much less maintenance there is on an electric vehicle versus an ICE. But I will add this, and, and my note here is the domino effect. Once one taxi service does this and sees more business, potentially, not saying it will happen, but if it were to actually see more business as a result of people wanting to ride in Model 3s, uh, and I sure as heck would want to, and not just because I'm a Tesla fanboy. I will say this: I, you know, hey, I I try to be a positive person in general, and I very much try to keep this podcast positive. I don't like to to dunk on any on other people, other companies. But this is just my own personal opinion. You may disagree. I'm going to be honest about the Prius, which is a very very common taxi vehicle in many cities I go to. I cannot stand the Prius as a passenger. I've never driven one, though, honestly, I have no desire to, but sitting in the backseat of one of those things in a, in a taxi, the ride quality for me is atrocious. You feel every single bump in the road. And I, I also, I get carsick in Priuses specifically at times, well, that's I think maybe a little less about the car, and more about the the way that the cab driver drives. Although I have noticed it does seem to happen to me more often in pre-i than other things. But anyway, I digress. I'm not. <laughs> I don't mean to hate on the Prius, but I'm not a fan. Um, so back to my point, people might seek out Model Three cabs, but even as setting that aside, the domino effect coming from word getting around to the various other fleet owners of New York City taxi cabs, that even if business isn't better, but just the economics of it, so that word will get around. And then once that happens, all the fleet owners, the fleet services, start converting their fleets to Model 3s. So my prediction is this, in three years, three years, let's all check back on this and see if yellow-wrapped Model 3s start becoming a very, very common sight in Manhattan, and hopefully other cities for that matter as well, because again, word gets around. New York uh, may be an island, but it is far from, far from uh, its own walled garden. So there you go. Good stuff coming in New York, hopefully. Uh, let's see. I've got two more stories for you this week. First of all, uh, I like to I like to, to read this a lot. Tesla is making an effort, a real here concentrated effort to take care of the original Tesla Roadsters and their owners. In fact, do I have any of you guys out there? I know there's Joe Edgel because 
I, I helped him buy the car and I babysat it for a week before <laughs> I shipped it off to him. Joe, I know you're out there with that beautiful red original Tesla Roadster, but I don't know. Do I have any other Tesla Roadster owners out there? Because only 20, if you didn't know this, this is a, an interesting little Tesla fact. Only about 2,500 Roadsters were made total ever over the course of four years. Um, but anyway, Tesla sent out an email to them according to a thread on the Tesla Motors Club forums this week. And the email came from Tesla's Jerome Guillen himself, not just a random salesperson or a, you know, a generic form letter, um, you know, an, an actual, you know, from Jerome. And the letter reads, according to our records, we believe you own Roadster, then here. We appreciate your support for Tesla and its first product, we realize that we need to improve service for Roadster. We are putting in place, uh, pardon me, we are putting in place a dedicated channel to help you with all your Roadster needs. This means dedicated service advisors, service technicians, and repair centers. You can reach this service by emailing roadsterservicena at tesla.com. Please note that this channel only services Roadsters. Please continue to use your Tesla app for all other Tesla cars, Model S, Model X, and Model 3. You can also trade in your current Roadster and apply the value towards the purchase of a Model S, Model X, or Model 3, even a reservation for a next-generation Roadster. Request a trade-in quote to get started. So uh, the Roadster owners, quite frankly, and I, you know, I don't say this as a with any kind of malice or anything, but just the fact is the Roadster owners have been uh, pretty well orphaned for quite some time now. It's it's been a tough spot all around, you know. That you you understand as a as a Tesla owner and a, a Tesla fan, somebody who believes in the mission, as as any Roadster owner I think or any any Tesla owner does, that Tesla has very very limited resources as they continue to try and become a profitable, free cash flow positive sustainable company, and the fact is those twenty five hundred original Roadsters are not in any way profitable for Tesla at all in any way, shape, or form. However, at the same time, those owners, particularly those that are still the original owners who've had the cars for you know going on 10 years now, those folks were the original believers in Tesla and its mission. So you simply have to take care of them. You've got to take care of those folks. So hopefully this outreach is going to be followed by following through with proactive care and proactive consideration for both these cars and their owners. And the one other thought that occurred to me about this is I wonder if this uh, dedicated group within Tesla with you know specific service advisors, specific service centers, if it might grow to include the new Roadsters in a couple years from now because that car is also going to be a pretty rare, pretty niche, low-volume car that might call for individualized uh, care relative to the rest of the fleet. I'm not sure. We'll see. But uh, nevertheless, good stuff from Jerome and from Tesla on that one. Finally this week, the last story I wanted to share with you is a fun one. A performance Model Y... A mule was spotted out testing in the wild here in the Bay Area. Testing something, don't know what, but uh, that in and of itself is currently not the story because uh, what's been cool, as I've mentioned to you, is sightings have been rather frequent lately and not just around the Bay Area. I've had, I've had some of you folks email me with sightings all over the place at Superchargers up in Washington, uh... Or was uh, there? There've been some, you know, pretty far and wide. Uh, Michigan, I think, one was spotted. So they're out there and they're testing. And this particular one, this PYD or PIED, if we want to just let's just go with it. P, we did. Do, we're doing P3D. That's a thing. We did it. Uh, it's easier to type out than performance dual motor. So PYD. Uh, <laughs> anyway, this this it's it's white and it's uh, this one that was photographed. It's, it's the wheels that make this newsworthy because the wheels on this particular 
performance model Y are the 20 inch turbine wheels that were only ever seen on the rolling red model three mule from the original model three unveiling event on, on March 31st, 2016. It was the car on the far right of the stage. If you were to go back and look at the video, the one that's kind of a burnt orange red, it's not a production paint color. And that was not a real car. That was again, a rolling mule, just a a real body on top of a, you know, on top of a a fake car. But yeah, where it's a, it's a super stylized turbine design, very different from the, the, the model X or model S production turbine wheels and tesla had patented that at the time you know the, all three wheel styles the aero the sport and the turbine uh, all got all got patented and two of the sport and the turbine or excuse me the sport and the aero got made although the aero got made of course in in the 18 inch variety uh, not in the 20 inch although we've since seen a 19 inch version of that appear not only on some uh, on on the performance model threes in China, but we've seen that wheel uh, on the some of the the mules, the Model Y mules. So they're they're testing all kinds of stuff with the Y. Uh, but anyway, yeah, this turbine it is it has been spotted. It's on a car and a Model Y no less. And so my thinking there is history tells us with every vehicle Tesla's ever done, the Tesla, there, there is just no way that Tesla would do that, that they would make a set of those wheels and slap them on a Model Y just for kicks, just for fun, just because some engineer thought, hey, I always like those and I want to see them. Tesla does not play like that. They just don't. These, these, these wheels, I, I think, I'm very confident, they're almost certainly going to get made. And of course... Uh, 75% of parts are shared between the Model 3 and the Model Y, including the tires and wheels. So uh, if these do end up releasing, it should be for both the Model 3 and the Model Y. And if I didn't mention it earlier, it's uh, the turbine, these turbines are, they, they very, very much appear to be 20-inch wheels from the photograph, which is exactly what the original prototypes were on that that model three uh alpha rolling mule prototype so 20 inch turbine wheel uh this this definitely appears to be happening and i wonder if these might actually in fact be the quote-unquote forge performance wheels that are uh we're still expecting as prizes from the referral program at the beginning of this year those wheels Tesla originally said, oh, we'll have them out in the summer. Summer came, and I had checked in with the referral program team at one point, and then they they at that time told me, quote-unquote, early fall, which is where we are now, early fall. So uh, that I wonder if, if these are going to end up being one and the same, but regardless, it's really, really exciting and cool to see these wheels come to life. All right, that's everything I've got for you in the world of Tesla news this week. Stick with me after the Alloy Gator promo, and I'll come right back and do the Ride the Lightning hotline. All of your calls coming up right after this. This week, Ride the Lightning is brought to you by Alloy Gator. Check them out at AlloyGatorUSA.com. Alloy Gator is the number one way to protect your beautiful Tesla wheels from nasty curb rash incidents. Alloy Gator comes in a variety of colors, so if you want to get something that blends in with your wheels, you can do that. Or if you want to add a little extra personality to your car, you can choose from 14 other colors to really make your wheels pop. Having Alloy Gator professionally installed is highly recommended, so to learn more and find an installer near you, visit AlloyGatorUSA.com. Oh, and by the way, Alloy Gator is currently running a special promotion for product installed at an authorized dealer. Go to AlloyGatorUSA.com and use the promo code RTL20, and Ride the Lightning listeners will get a further 20% off of your order. Thank you, Alloy Gator. 
After a two-week break, the Ride the Lightning Hotline is back, one of the regular staples of this podcast, where you guys get to call in with your Tesla questions, Tesla comments, Tesla discussion topics. I've got plenty of great calls lined up. Uh, And as a reminder, for those of you uh, backing at certain tiers of my Patreon, I expect to have the monthly bonus episode featuring all those extra awesome Uh, phone calls that I didn't have time to get to during the regular weekly show. I expect to have that bonus episode for you this weekend, so keep an eye out on your email boxes for that when Patreon notifies you. But for now, 10 more awesome calls queued up and ready to go, Uh, and and if you want to participate in the Ride the Lightning hotline, I welcome it, I invite it. You can call in in one of two easy ways. Either record your question on your smartphone's built-in voice recording software uh, and then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com or you can call in and leave a message anytime, day or night, on the Ride the Lightning hotline. The toll-free number there is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And a reminder, uh, if you do call in, please try to keep your call to 90 seconds or less, a minute and a half, so that I can get to as many calls each week as possible. By the way, if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more, and I thank them for providing the Ride the Lightning hotline. Let's go to Andy in Denver up first, who uh, wanted to talk about a particular feature idea that he's got. Go ahead, Andy. Hey, Ryan. It's Andy calling from Denver. Uh, I wanted to follow up uh, six months late to let you know that uh, I was in line for a Model Y, and I changed my mind and got the Model 3 due to the tax incentives and uh, phase-outs and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we were taking a trip this weekend to... uh, one of our favorite vacation destinations, and we were having lunch, and we had our two dogs in the car with us, and uh, we, you know, we just always have a little bit of trepidation about leaving them in the car, and I had a thought when I got back to the car that I know sentry mode is improving, and we're going to be able to um, hopefully at some point in the future view the videos on the screen and all of these sorts of things. I'm wondering if a feature that should be added to that is the ability to use the inward-facing camera in the car to check on your dogs while they're in the car in dog mode and just make sure everything is going okay. My wife gets a little paranoid and wants to know what's going on, and so every 20 minutes or so we're getting up and checking on them, but also having the app open to make sure the temperature is correct and so forth. So anyway, just an idea I'm throwing out there about the utility of the inward-facing camera. I don't know if anyone suggested it previously, but uh, that would be awesome. Uh, Thanks for all you do. You're fantastic. So much appreciate it. Andy, I have heard some good ideas for that cabin camera, but I haven't heard this exact one, and I have to tell you, I love it. I love it. Elon recently responded to my friend Raphael from Miami who had suggested using that camera to record karaoke sessions. Elon replied to that tweet and said, internal camera isn't used yet, it's meant for robo-taxi, but that's a good idea, end quote. Well, I think this is every bit as good of an idea, possibly even, with all due respect to Raphael, a better idea. I love the idea of being able to check in on the dogs in dog mode. Uh, and I have to say, I had a caller not too long ago that suggested being able to use it while you're driving on the screen there to check on infants in rear-facing car seats uh, in the back via that main dashboard screen, maybe get a better look. So, you know, there are just some really great possibilities here from the fun stuff to the practical stuff. And I would really love to see Tesla to start, I'd love to see Tesla start to implement them because the fact is, Every single Model 3 has that rear-facing cabin camera in it. Um, And so, I guess that's... Sorry, that's redundant. Of course it's rear-facing if it's facing the camera. The cabin camera, anyway. Um, But yeah, it is... You know, now that I think about it, too, I think that camera might be the only completely unused part in the entire car. 
I, I'd, I'd struggle to name another part that's just completely idle and not doing anything, not serving any current purpose. But uh, so hopefully Tesla will change that very soon and they will start putting some of these good ideas to work. Let's talk to Ron in Nashville up next, calling in with an update to his uh, yellow border on his Model S screen. We've seen that uh, feature, not feature, we've seen that problem start to creep up with some of the S's and X's. Ron, go ahead. Hello, Ryan. Happy weekend. Um, This is Ron from Nashville, just calling in about the yellow ring on the screen. Um, So I had heard about this on one of your shows, I don't recall which one, and sure enough, I looked up and on my 2017 Model S, I am getting that yellow slash orange ring around my screen. I I actually had not noticed it until I heard it on the podcast. Anyway, I did make an appointment for it uh, after hearing that they they can fix it. And um, just an update on how they fix it. Apparently, it's not only UV light now. Apparently, that was only a temporary fix. Now they actually take the screen off, put new glue on, and then do the UV uh, treatment. So it's um, a little more detailed than just doing the UV light now, apparently. This is what I was told at the service center. But just wanted to give you an update on how they are fixing that. And um, thanks for bringing it to my attention. And, And like all things Tesla, they are addressing it and making it better. Thanks a lot. Love the show. Bye. I appreciate that call, Ron, because that first step with the glue is news to me. I had not heard that. Thank you very much for letting me know about it. Presumably, that's something that Tesla has learned recently, and it will help ensure that that discoloration never comes back. Cheers, Ron. Thanks, as always, for your calls. Luke, from Wellsboro, Pennsylvania, is up next, and he is Tesla shopping. Let me see if I can help him out. Go ahead, Luke. Hey, Ryan. This is Luke Losinger from Wellsboro, Pennsylvania. Um, I'm in the market to get a Tesla. I've been a longtime listener, and I'm just I'm really, really getting excited for it. But I have a couple questions. Um, so I'm thinking about either getting a Model Three new, or maybe a used Model S. I was wondering if you knew of any pros and cons between the two. Um, I'm also curious on whether or not full self-driving is still going to be an option on some of the earlier Model S's. Um, Basically, I guess the general gist of what I'm asking is, is there a specific year that I do not want to go behind um, if I do go the pre-owned Model S way? what would what would you recommend? Like ignoring like the finance because of pre-owned Model S and a new Model Three, they can be right around the same price given the given the year. Uh, which do you prefer, or which do you think would be a better for an overall experience for someone who is new to the EV market? Love the podcast, man. Take care. Hello, Luke. This comes up from time to time, but it's always a valid discussion for people that are new to the podcast. And now, obviously, this is my own opinion, not any sort of gospel, but I think that the scales tilt pretty heavily in favor of a new Model 3. Only relatively new Model S's, as in sort of the past couple of years, are going to be full self-driving capable. That's number one. On the 3, you will get basic autopilot included versus a used uh, S. You'll also get all of the new features in the latest software updates. And get this, this is, this is something that's interesting. If you weren't following the company for over the last several years, if you're newer to things, they talked about this, Elon talked about this at the Model 3 unveil, and it's actually true. The cabin size of the Model 3 is almost the same as in the Model S. Uh, the S is wider, certainly, but as far as the leg room and the headroom, it's actually very comparable. You know the the uh, it's the rest of it that that's bigger in the in the X certainly the or the, or the S pardon me not the X yeah the, the cargo capacity meaning so unless you really need a ton of cargo space I would personally take the three over a used S 
pretty much every time. Now, the brand new Model S's are a different story. The, the Project Raven cars, they're 373-mile range cars, but you know, you're, you're probably looking at comparable range as well on a used S and a new 3. So that's my opinion of it. The good news is you can't lose either way. That's, that's almost always how I end these whenever this comes up. It's like you can't lose either way. If you're buying a Tesla, you're probably going to end up happy, but that's my opinion on it. Good luck in your decision-making, and have fun either way, and I guarantee you will have fun. Longtime caller Anuar Beck is up next with a question about the standard range Model 3. Go ahead, Anuar Beck. Hey, Ryan, it's Anwar Beck, your friends from the Tesla Geek Show podcast. Had a quick question for you and your uh, guests regarding the base Model 3. I'm thinking of purchasing a base Model 3, so that's the $35,000 Tesla. Um, I was wondering what type of battery is in there. I believe it's a 50-kilowatt-hour battery. Um, is it software locked uh, compared to the standard range plus? The reason I'm asking is uh, once I purchase this base base Model 3, will I be able to charge it to 100% and not have issues with the battery? So that's my main question. Again, Model 3 base, if I, can, if I get a base Model 3, which I believe is software locked, I should be able to charge it to 100%. Is that correct? Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Keep up the great work and always enjoy listening to your podcast. Take care. Yes, it is indeed software locked. It's actually a bit of a weird process. You have to buy a standard range plus if you want the standard and then get a downgrade to the standard range. They will lock some software bits and a, and a chunk of the battery and then they'll give you a couple of thousand dollar refund. I'm not 100% positive if you can charge the standard range to 100% on a regular basis like that, but I believe so. So if anybody out there has a standard range, not the standard range plus, but the actual standard range and can confirm that, please let me know if, I, if I'm if i incorrect on that one. So Anwarbeck, good luck with your decision and thanks as always for your call. Brian from Minnesota has a standard range plus and he wanted to talk about something that kind of bugs him on the car. Go ahead, Brian. Hi, Ryan. This is Brian calling from Minneapolis. I'm driving home from the supercharger in my Model 3 Standard Range Plus that I've had since April. Something that's been bugging me ever since I got this car is the lack of some sort of rear cross-traffic alert feature. So when I got this car back in April, I had traded in a 2017 Subaru Impreza with this feature. And for those unfamiliar, basically what it does is any time that you are backing up or the car is in reverse uh, and another car is coming across uh, your vehicle and it, it detects that you may have a collision with it if you're not aware of the car coming across, uh, the car will beep at you or in times uh, automatically emergency brake the car. This way um, you're not being T-boned. And... Uh, a lot of modern cars have this feature uh, from luxury all the way down to your general brands, and it's something that I think should be definitely brought to the Tesla line. I know that there have been several times where I've been backing out of a really tight parking space, and it's been really hard to see uh, some of the other cars coming uh, through in the parking lot, and it would be really nice to have this feature. So uh, that's all I wanted to call for. Uh, also really enjoying the fact that uh, with my standard range plus, I am getting uh, slacker and streaming for the first time ever. So that's a, a good thing to have, and I hope they don't take it away. Thanks, and have a good one. Thanks for your call, Brian. I confess I had never heard of this feature before your call, so I went and looked it up, and that indeed sounds like a super useful feature, and I would love to to have that on the Tesla. I mean, I, I, I would have to figure that the backup camera has a wide enough field of view to implement this on a Tesla, which would perhaps be aided by the ultrasonic sensors near the rear corners of the bumper. But, you know, I don't know if that hardware is specialized at all on those cars that do have it, but if the Tesla cameras and sensors are technically capable of full self-driving, I would have to imagine that they could do this too. So here's hoping that it's something Tesla is thinking about. Appreciate your call. Jeff from not too far away, Campbell, California. He's got himself a commute and wants to talk about uh, autopilot and how it pertains to that commute. Go ahead, Jeff. 
Hey, Ryan. This is Jeff from Campbell, California. Thanks for the podcast. It's really great. Hey, I uh, commute from Campbell, California, up to Fremont, California, near the uh, Fremont factory every day, and I use autopilot, and it is fantastic. It's uh, transformative in my commute. And I have one feature request. Um, I know in the most recent software update, the Tesla will move over uh, when passing trucks. And it's common practice for motorists to uh, move over for motorcyclists that are splitting lanes in the HLV lane. And I'm wondering if there's a way to manually or maybe via an update to autopilot actually have the Tesla move over for those motorcyclists. Um, I find myself coming out of uh, autopilot frequently to allow them to pass and to sort of automate this would be a great feature. Thanks again for a great podcast and uh, appreciate all you do. Thanks. Hi, Jeff, and thank you very much for the kind words. Uh, You are far from the first person to bring up this thought, both on this podcast and certainly in the wider Tesla community. And as such, I have to imagine that Tesla is thinking about it, too. The question is how to treat that situation. If you're in bumper-to-bumper traffic, I would think that there's not too much that autopilot would really be able to do. And if you're at higher speeds... I suppose the autopilot cameras would have to recognize a motorcycle approaching from behind quickly enough because you remember you're you're probably, you know, not moving as I mean you're definitely not moving as fast as the motorcycle is. So, it would have to recognize that motorcycle approaching from behind quickly enough to be able to react to it and and uh move in a smooth and safe way. So, this is another one of those things to put on the list to ask Elon about if I ever get the chance again. Or if uh, if I can ever get Andre Carpathy in here, maybe uh, that would definitely be <laughs> something to ask him about. Thanks, Jeff. Nick from Washington is up next and has a question about a particular bit of functionality on his relatively new Model 3. Go ahead, Nick. Hi, Ryan. This is Nick from Puyallup, Washington. I have a Model 3 that I've had for about three or four months now. Absolutely love the car. But lately, it's gotten a little colder out in the 40s and 50s, and I work nights. So coming out to my car, I get this warning that says Regenerative Braking Limited. Now, what I'm understanding is that it's because the cold temperatures, but I figured that 40s and 50s wasn't quite cold enough to have this error message. Just wondering if there's anything I can do to preheat the car uh, or or something to that effect so that I don't have to have that limited regenerative braking. Any help would be fantastic. Love the podcast. Thanks. Hi, Nick. Well, it's worked out a bit here that I haven't been able to get to your call for a while because between the time that you sent this in and the time I'm airing it now, there actually is a bit of concrete information that I can give you here. The scheduled departure charging is finally on the way. This will allow you to preheat your battery prior to your desired departure time each day, and it will also reduce, if not eliminate, the minor charging losses, that vampire drain, uh, after being plugged in and completing your charging early in the night. So I hope that helps you out. Thanks for calling in. Tom from Houston is next with some dash cam woes. Go ahead, Tom. Hey, Ryan. It's Tom calling from Houston. Uh, Second time caller, but a long time listener. I wanted to call and see if uh, other listeners are experiencing the same thing. I've had some trouble recently with my USB drive for my dash cam. I keep getting an error message that pops up that says that the drive is too slow and that I need a drive that records at at least four megabytes per second. Uh, I've used this drive since I've gotten the car about 10 months ago and I've never had this issue before. This started occurring just before V10 was pushed out. So I'm thinking maybe this is software related. I've reformatted the drive several times and every time I reformat it before I do so, it tells me there's an error on the drive and you know you can actually repair it in Windows or on a Mac, but it doesn't seem to do anything. It just continues to um, you know cause this problem. Just wondering if other people are experiencing the same thing. It seems that it seems to be uh, corrupting based on the software uh, and that it may be a system related issue. The other thing is more of a a comment, and I'm wondering if Tesla has ever considered imprinting 
the date and time and the speed that you're driving on in the actual dash cam footage that it records, I'm thinking that might be pretty practical in the event uh, you get pulled over or if there's a collision, you could actually prove the speed that you were driving and the date and time um, of the incident. Anyways, keep up the great work with the podcast and would look forward to uh, hearing your thoughts on that. Thanks very much, Ryan. Take care. Hi, Tom. Well, the message about an error and needing to scan and fix it is sadly a quote-unquote normal thing, at least as of now, that's normal behavior. Fortunately, as you have no doubt noticed, you just let Windows do the fix and it works fine. Uh, For the too slow of a drive problem, I haven't run into that myself, but I'm certainly not dismissing you and I have heard about that. My one suggestion is this. Have you tried a different USB stick to see if it happens in your car on other drives? If it doesn't, then maybe it's an issue with that particular USB drive. Also, by the way, I 100% co-sign your idea to watermark the dash cam footage with the time, the date, and the speed that you were traveling. I think that's a great idea, and I hope it happens. Good luck to you, Tom. Next up is Matthew from Seattle. Uh, has a question about an upcoming, hopefully upcoming software feature. You're on the air, Matthew. Hey, Ryan. This is Matthew from Seattle. Um, been listening for about a year. Love the podcast. I have a 2018 Model S100D and had a quick question um, with the upgrade to V10, which I love. Um, the one thing that I felt was missing is integration with text messaging. And I wonder if you think that's coming at some time where you can actually see a visualization of your texts or at least get a notification through the car. Anyways, love the pod. Um, yeah, chat soon. Hey, Matthew. The good news here is that Elon Musk has addressed this, and he has done so recently, in fact. The last thing he said about it was that it would be in the next major release after V10, so effectively a 10.1, even if it's not literally called that. So who knows exactly when that will be, but the good news is that that feature does indeed appear to be on the way uh, sooner rather than later. Our final call this week, last but certainly not least, it's Will from Lancaster in Ontario up in Canada and uh, wants to check in on on an old, interesting Tesla idea that was put out publicly into the wild some some years back at this point. So uh, this may be new to some of you, and I'll be curious what your reactions are. But uh, yeah, Will, talk to us about it. Hey, Ryan. Will from uh, Ancaster, Ontario here again. Um, I'll keep this one shorter than the last one. I suspect that's why I didn't hear it. Maybe I'll hear it on the uh, the Patreon episode next month instead. But um, I'm binge listening to your podcast since I bought my Tesla, and I'm uh, just in episode 41 right now, and they brought up the uh, the charging snake again that you brought up in episode 2. Um, this may be addressed again in the next 150 episodes before I get completely caught up, uh, but I was just curious if it's actually something that's made any progress in current day, considering this is still several years ago, episode 41, and I still don't see them anywhere. So uh, I was just curious if you knew if that had been uh, an abandoned idea or if it was still something that was in the works down the road. Anyway, love the podcast, and I'll talk to you again, I'm sure, in the next 40 episodes. Ciao. Will, first of all, I tip my cap to you for going all the way back through a couple hundred hours worth of podcasts Thank you so much for tuning in. To your question, it seems like it's on the back burner, but I honestly, I refuse to believe that it's been scrapped forever. They had a prototype working, and by the way, again, if you're unfamiliar with this, please look it up on YouTube. It's from an official Tesla release video. It is an automatic charging snake, which is exactly what it sounds like, uh, like 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 a dancing king cobra to a you know, to a, uh, I'm not sure the name of the wind instrument, whether it's a flute or something else that, that you typically hear and, you know, classic stories of, of a cobra dancing out of a, out of a, a bucket, you know, a, a basket too, rather. But, uh, so there, it's that except it, it automatically plugs its charger, plugs the charger into the, into your car. Um, so again, they had a prototype working, you can see it on YouTube 
And Tesla is going to need a solution for whenever the full level four sleep at the wheel, full self-driving is working and you wanna drive to your parents' house a couple states away and have the car take you there overnight while you sleep. You're not gonna wanna wake up every two to three hours to plug the car in manually. So no news lately, but I think we will still see movement on this project in some way, shape or form in the next couple of years. Thank you so much to everybody who called in and uh, thanks to everybody who will call in because I invite you, I welcome you. And again, the two easy ways to do that, use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software or dial up on the Ride the Lightning hotline. I give you that information at the top of the segment. Again, either way, please keep your call to 90 seconds or less. Thank you all so much and stick with me. I'll be right back to wrap up the show with some parting thoughts as well as the pro tip of the week right after this. So when I got my Powerwall last week, it originally, when I went into the, the customized menu, it was only giving me the option to use it as a battery backup system. And I had thought, man, I thought you could use this. I thought I'd be able to use it. I don't have solar, but I could use it to charge up overnight on the, on the off-peak electricity rates and then release that off-peak energy during peak hours into the house. And I was like, man, why? I thought I was going to be able to do that. Well, in the middle of the week this week, that option just appeared in my app. So I'm not sure what the rhyme or reason there was, but I'm very happy to report that I am now uh, cheating the PG&E system. Effectively, I've got the, I'm on the electric vehicle rate plan where my overnight rates are super low and they're a lot higher during the day. So uh, I, we charge up the power wall at night and then let that juice back into the house during those off-peak hours so that we're not uh, spending a ton of money per kilowatt hour uh, during those peak times of day. So very stoked about that. Happy to have that thing. And uh, and like I said, at the top of the show, I'm going to be meeting up my first San Francisco Tesla Owners Club meeting tomorrow. Really looking forward to that. The weather is forecasted to be excellent. The only thing is I'm pre-embarrassed because my car, the Spirit of Adventure, is just covered. There is a. It's it's been two weeks. It needs to be washed. Uh, there is a, a real just nice thick layer of dust on it. It's not sort of dirty per se. It's just really really dusty. So it is. Uh, uh, hopefully nobody else will notice, but I sure as heck see it. But really looking forward to a nice drive with a bunch of other awesome Tesla owners and enthusiasts down uh, down Highway One down the coast to a, to a nice lunch. Your pro tip of the week this week comes from Christy in Austin. It's a reaction to uh, episode 218 and another caller's request uh, about the air conditioning system. So I'm going to let Christy take it from here. Hey, Ryan, it's Christy from Austin. I was listening to episode 218 and um, Mike's request for bands on the air conditioning. Um, one thing that I have done, and I've not done this specifically for the air conditioning, but I think it's a perfect use case, is I create different driver profiles for different situations. Um, so as you know, um, more and more features are being added to the driver profile settings. That was part of the V10 update. Um, so more of the controls that I set for my profile are saved so that when I drive the car or my husband drives the car, um, we have our, our more individualized preferences. Um, so you can do that with, you could say like profile cold or profile hot or summer or winter or call them whatever you want, but have one set so that it's only cooling to 74 and have one so that it's only warming to 65 or um, whatever works out for you. This is also useful for ladies out there who wear heels or flats, um, other shoe types when you want your seat position different. So you can definitely put a lot of different driver profiles in there uh, to suit your needs and that will take care of a lot of those settings. Hope it's helpful. Thanks. Bye. That is indeed an extremely useful tip. Thank you so much, Christy. Now, before I go, I want to remind you about abstractocean.com. Lots of great stuff for you and specifically for your Tesla. They've got their Generation 3 third-gen tempered glass screen protectors 
from the Model Y. Uh, they now ship with an installation frame, which makes it super, super easy to align. Uh, they tell me sentry stickers, sentry mode stickers for that back quarter window. Uh, if you're concerned about that, like <laughs> like fellow Bay Area people, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, they're they're very simple, uh, and it can be a nice little deterrent. They've got those for you, as well as door button stickers. If you've got a lot of people in your car, and you know you have to explain it, it can there's just there's just that little line on the door release button in the Model Three. There's no obvious uh, way to to let people know how to get out, uh, and you don't want them to pull that emergency release handle. So. Uh, they are selling, Abstract Ocean is selling those little little door button stickers that have a little door uh, open icon uh, on them, if that is of interest to you. And I say all that because Abstract Ocean continues to offer the listeners of this podcast 15% off of your very first order. So go to abstractocean.com, pile everything you like into your shopping cart, and when you check out, use the coupon code RTL podcast at checkout and get that 15% discount off of your first order. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections taking great care of me and my car, uh, and they want to take great care of you. If you are in the Bay Area, you're going to take delivery in the Bay Area. You're just going to be in the Bay Area with your Tesla, and you would like it to have some uh, extra detail, love, and care from a professional detailer. Contact Immaculate Reflections. They're offering $100 off of any ceramic coating package as well, or I should say, or, not an and, but or $100 off a paint protection film package unless you do a full body paint protection film on the whole car. That will get you $250 off. If you are a military active military member or military veteran, present your military ID for an additional discount. Uh, you want to get on Jeff's schedule. The holidays are coming up, so if that is of interest to you, get booked. You can contact Jeff at Immaculate Reflections via the website, which is irdetailing.com. And hey, you can see examples of his work there or or literally my Instagram, because my car is completely done over by Jeff. Uh, but if you want to see some other stuff, you can look on his Yelp page, which is yelp.com slash Immaculate Reflections, or on Instagram, where his handle is immaculate underscore reflections. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. Same thing on Instagram. My email is teslapodcast at gmail.com. If you're ordering a Jada uh, wireless charging pad or and or the Jada USB hub, both of those are for Model 3, I would greatly appreciate it if you would use the link I'm about to give you because it's a referral link. No discount, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. I wish I had one for you, but uh, they'll throw me a couple of bucks as a referral from you uh, having heard about it through this site. Like I said, I talk about these every week. I love, love, love the wireless charging pad. If you've got pretty much any modern smartphone at this point, it will wirelessly charge the phone, holds it in place. You can also turn it in uh, landscape mode. So if you use Waze or, or any other apps that... Uh, go uh, landscape the horizontal mode. You can you can set it on there and it'll work and still charge in the horizontal mode. So really great product there. And then the USB hub will add some additional USB ports to your car, plus that that fake dummy door to hide your Sentry mode uh, dash you know dash cam USB stick. So uh, the website the URL is getjada.com. G E T J E D A. Getjada.com slash R E F slash eight. You need that whole URL, please. And then there's Patreon, of course. If you feel at any point, whether it's today, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's next week, next month, next year, that I have earned your support on Patreon. If you enjoy the show, you want to support me and support my efforts here, I would sincerely appreciate that. But all I can ask is that you take a look at the Patreon page sometime. You can see what little extra perks and benefits are available there for you. And uh, the website for that is patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. And with that, I say a hello and a sincere thank you to the Patreon producers, the kind folks who are supporting me at the producer tier. One of the perks they get is their name shouted out, uh, shouted out every week. 
Our newest Patreon producer, thank you, Jeff Angwin, along with Stig Mickey Jensen, Tricity UK, Will Stedman, Scott Gillis, Dennis Peak, Sunil Joseph, David Perella, Neil Weaver, Kaz Barnes, Charlie Gillespie, Aaron Appleby, Matthew Wright, John Cody, Chris Knesnick, Larry Lynch, Ron Lee, Rob Brewer, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Daniel Grummer, Jeremy, Michael Waddle, Dorian Steve Guberman, Joel Sapp, Lyle Austin, Bill Royko, Brian Hope, Jerry and Mary Smith, Gabriel Salais, David Nondal, Eric Randolph, Luke A., Ulrich Lassa, David Vakil, Rome Strack, Peter Chalet, Lawton from Chicago, Lars Hoffman, Tim Hyde, Joe Edgel, Jason Chalukas, Robert Maracle, Michael Lester, Logan Willis, Alexi Heft, Jonathan Wales, David Brander, George Cassiopo, Wolfgang Obergen, and Pete White. Thank you all so very, very much for your continued support. And if you're not already subscribing to this podcast, that's totally free, and I highly recommend you do that because doing so means that the new episodes, when they are released, which is, of course, every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, it will get pushed out to you automatically. You don't have to remember to go find it every Sunday. So you can subscribe on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe on Google Podcasts. There's a Stitcher. Tune in, which is in your Tesla. You can get and listen to this car, listen to this podcast in your car. I'm on Spotify as well. Also, YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. That's uh, if you want to subscribe to that, if you prefer to consume your podcast, maybe at your desk at work or something on YouTube. There's no video, but it does syndicate the audio. And then, uh, yeah, I think that's all of that. So that'll do it. My name, of course, is Ryan McCaffrey. I think this is like the first time Daisy's not been next to me, but she is. She's doing her job upstairs, getting helping that <laughs> helping that kiddo get to sleep up there. And if she's no doubt asleep herself, just the two of them cuddled up. So I'm sure it's very adorable. In fact, I'm going to go check on them right now because that dog's going to need to go out before I go to bed. So uh, thank you all so much for listening. Your time is, uh, in my opinion, all of our most valuable resource. We all only get. The same 24 hours each day, no more, no less. So I appreciate you spending an hour plus of it each week with me. Until next week then, happy electric motoring, and I will see you next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.